Welcome to the Incremental Revival Podcast, where our goal is to help you, our church members here at Grace Rancho, better understand the what and why of all that we do here, kind of with the end goal of the Lord using our ordinary acts of faithfulness for His glory and His purposes. You are making up new taglines every week, and I appreciate that. That was kind of what? It's like a tag to the tagline. A tag to the tag. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Trying to tie in the incremental revival part. Make that a little bit more clear. I love it. I actually think I liked mine from last week better. Either way. Go back and listen to last week. We're here. My name is Michael Shera. Sitting here with Pastor Eric Durso on a rainy Monday afternoon. Typically we record on Mondays. And today we are talking about something that coincides with things we've talked about before, but is unique. And not even really necessarily fitting into what we do corporately as a church, but more what is something that's valuable to Christians. This is less the what and the why and more the incremental revival in your daily life. Yeah. And, um, And we've talked about maybe leading your family before, I feel like, or just parenting in the past. And we've talked about reading in the past, but today we're talking about developing a family reading culture. So we talk about a reading culture at church, yeah, giving away lots of books, encouraging people to read, um, you know, valuing that always learning, always growing. Um, but we're going to kind of talk about this in a very specific way. Yeah. We're saying parents, how can you develop a reading culture in your home? And you might be thinking at first, this a little bit off base. Were like, you thinking that when we? No, I'm uh, saying I'm saying somebody may be thinking reading culture at home. Why are you digging into what I'm telling my kids they should be doing? Yeah, right. Okay. Well, we hope you see through this podcast that there's good reasons to pursue this. Well, let's and talk to about what, what is meant by a reading culture. So, yeah. a culture is that which is expected, that which is normal. Yeah, the norm. This is what we do. Um, and so, what I think would be good. And I think it's biblical idea based on how we see the Old Testament talking about families and what they are to do and even the New Testament families and what they are to do. Um, I think it'd be very good for families in our church to make it normal, expected, routine, regular um, to be reading together. Absolutely. And that the children are growing up literate. They're growing up able to read, um, good at reading, good at understanding, good at all these things that come along with reading. We want families to be families who read, think, grow together. So yeah. So this is a very, very nuanced thing, very narrow topic. But we let's believe it's about, useful. Yeah. For let's Christian talk households. about if you're a member of our church, this is something you might find useful in your own family as we think about creating a culture of uh, discipleship. Let's let's Get a little bit underneath that and say, well, how do we do that? Well, one way is uh, having our families be cultures of reading. Sure. Okay. All right. So why a culture of reading? Number one reason, (laughs) Eric, what would you say it is? Um, Well, first of all, God gave us a book. So God, I'm, I'm holding in my hand here, the ESV Bible, and it has... Um, let's see how many pages total, you know, if I flip to the very end, I'm in over a thousand here 
And I am. Um, you know, some Bibles restart their page numbers when you get to the New Testament. I didn't know that. Me neither. That seems interesting. I saw it recently and I thought, I don't know if I'd like that. Yeah. So, so I got over a thousand pages in, in, in these, this binding, there are 66 books. They are there. Some of them are law codes. Some of them are personal handwritten letters. Mm -hmm. Some of them are historical narratives. Some of them are wisdom literature. Some of them are apocalyptic. Um, some of them are songs and poetry. In other words, this is a pretty interesting book. It's also, uh, this book is um, written by over 40 different authors from a part of the world that most of us have never gone in languages that neither of us speak. And so if you, but that's, isn't that interesting? God it is interesting. has revealed himself that way in, in Greek and Hebrew, in ancient cultures. In, through writing. Through words, writing, pens on paper or scrolls. Or sure. And, and so if we are to know him, yeah, we can get some general revelation through looking at creation, but the special revelation given to us is in, in books, um, in sentences and paragraphs. Yeah, you have a, a book compiled of books. Right. It's a compilation of many writings. So if I'm going to learn about God, I have to learn to read. Like, and I got to learn to read law and narrative and epistle and apocalyptic and all the genres. Yeah. That's for me. Like God has given this for us. So we got to learn to read. If, if you're a Christian and you're not used to reading, hopefully, even in short spurts, you enjoy reading God's word because of what it offers you yeah. as a Christian. Yeah. But if you just enjoy reading, I think you'll enjoy it all the more. Yeah. Yeah. So cultivating that in your life, um, reading in general and appreciating that fuels perhaps reading God's word. Yeah. You're saying that um, reading in general books of literature, yeah. nonfiction, fiction, history, different things fuels your love of the if word. If you are scripture. a reader, you'll probably enjoy reading scripture more. Yeah. So if you're growing up and you're accustomed to wrestling with words and engaging in arguments, you're going to have a deeper appreciation mm -hmm. for the scriptures That's what I'm and at. more access to them. So we, we actually, we must, uh, you, no, no kid starts with just reading the Bible. You know what I mean? No. Like, I don't think Ezra <laughs> is reading the I, I Bible pulled out yet. my actual Bible yeah. um, a month or two ago. And I, I said, do you want to read my Bible tonight, Ezra? Thinking I'll open, to a, I'll open up to a psalm that has some animals in it or something. He gets <laughs> yeah. interest. There's yeah. only words in this Bible. He's got like a kid's storybook Bible, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> he says, no, the real Bible. Oh. <laughs> His Bible that has <laughs> illustrations in it. Yeah, the real Bible's <laughs> got pictures. So no kid to that point goes up thinking, I'm going to go read the Bible. Right. So like what do you do with, with our kid right now? We have uh, with Jude, you know, 10 yep. months old. Do we have books for him? Yes, we do. Uh -huh. They're those little like super hard ones. Yeah, it's all cardboard. Like D. Yep. And then you open, there's a duck inside. They're basically pictures. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's learning, hopefully. We have other books that are, you know, A is for almighty, B is for blessing, C is for creator, yeah. you know, thing like that. And 
we just, at this point, obviously, I don't think he's learning anything, um, but we're trying to get him familiar with the idea that these are fun. These things mm -hmm. are exciting. They have <clears throat> pictures. They have, but then even if you expand it up a little bit, you get older. Jack can't read. Jack's five. He can't read yet. He's starting to get his letters and everything. Yep. But we're reading him stories all the time. He's starting to feel that stories are interesting. Yeah. Like this is fun. Um, there's suspense. There's good versus evil. There are heroes. And all of this is hopefully for the purpose of one day him being able to now wrestle with what God has said, the stories mm -hmm. that God's telling, and who are the heroes in God's book, and how should this revelation lead us in our lives. Um, and so we actually learn to read scripture because from childhood we've been learning we've been learning through other books sure and then it's like these other books are leading us to be able to grapple with and understand um the words of god 100 percent. we believe in the clarity of scripture yeah that Christians can pick up their Bibles and understand what it means, generally speaking. You don't need to be a scholar, a theologian, no. a high-class elite. But we can acknowledge that the type of literature in Scripture and the storyline woven throughout does take time to fully grasp. Totally. And so if you are used to reading and following a storyline and seeing it happen over time, it'll aid you in understanding Scripture especially kids, because if you just picked up, you know, you're preaching through Ephesians, kids might not get the whole picture there. If they picked up a gospel account, maybe they'd start to follow something a little bit more, but, but tying those things together takes time and just generally being able to comprehend reading will aid you in that. Yeah. The, so the, the great story of redemption that is told from Genesis to Revelation is highly complex, especially to a child's mind. You have these different covenants, you have different phases of redemptive history um in what god is doing and it's not all like chapter one this happened chapter two then this right. so you have to kind of study and see how they're flowing and how they connect and that's why there's different theological camps with what's the best way to do that what's the best way to understand biblical theology um so how do you help a kid eventually get to the point where he can wrestle with theology and and try to understand the whole redemptive storyline is you got to start with bite-sized stories yeah like there was a dragon who captured the princess and the knight needed to go rescue the dragon by, or <laughs> he didn't need to rescue the dragon. He needed to rescue the princess by slaying rescue the, the dragon. dragon from the princess, yeah. slay the princess. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, tell some interesting stories here. Yeah, see, it's, it's, in, it's subversion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's longing, he's longing for a better story. Yeah. Hand him the word of God. <laughs> So you, you, you tell him these bite-sized stories oh, that eventually help him understand the great story, the best, the best story. Um, and so you're, we want our households to be filled with good stories that capture his heart and his mind, his, his imagination. Yeah. We want our girls to be hearing stories of true nobility and true goodness and courage and faith. And in all of this, again, creating a framework that will aid them in their approach to now studying the great story. And not like we're waiting until they know enough and then we'll give them the Bible. 
no, that's being infused all along, but it's just understanding that there, it takes time to really, um, in, in a child's development, you start with very basic things before you can get to the more complex things. True. Yeah. Reading also just helps them be able to understand and analyze where something's going that they're reading. Yeah. Familiarizing themselves with tracing an argument. And like we've said, a storyline. Yeah. Just useful to them. And the contrast is that a child is raised on screens and videos and games. And um, what that tends to create is the children are less inclined to think critically about what they're intaking. And instead, just try to find gratification. Yeah. Passively absorbing, absorbing, you know, the cotton candy of, of media. And, yeah. and a book forces you to engage. A, a reading is more of an active yeah. uh, thing that you do. Watching is more of a passive thing that you do. And so I want to be my kids to be actively engaging their minds in as they're in taking stories and books. Um, even if they're watching films or movies or shows, I want them to be active and engage their minds in that as well. But you gotta you gotta teach that. You gotta show them how Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk. How do, how do we do this? Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking, yeah, this is a good idea. I want my kid to eventually love reading. Like that's what I, I want my kid to love reading, by the way, this is off notes, but I want my kids to love reading because um, I want them to be lifelong learners. I want them mm -hmm. to never come to this place where they're like, I think I know enough. Like I want them to study deeply. Yeah. Uh, the, not only the word of God, but I want them to be faithful stewards of whatever responsibilities God puts in their life. And so they're willing to learn and challenge themselves and read theology, but also read books on whatever field you know of life they're in. Just kind of tracing back to that end, um, if you want to have a resource that helps you understand scripture, I don't think a video tutorial or explanation will ever serve you as well or communicate content as well as a book. I agree. And so it's also just useful that if you need help understanding scripture or reading a helpful book on what the Bible says about holiness or sanctification or name any other topic. Um, in the English language, we have so much in yeah. that realm. So if and you want to so, set your books up, your, your kids up for success, they got to learn to look yeah, books so like they can We want them to read the their Bibles, but there will be things that help them put together their Bibles and understand theology and practical living well. And, and that just, you can communicate so much more written than you can, you know, over some form of media, yeah, electronic media. So, okay. So let's say, but let's, how do we, how do we get this going? This. In yeah, our how are we trying to, we got, I got five kids at home. You got two and one on the way. We have lots of children in our church running around. How do we help these, this generation of children be book people? Um, in the sense that not everyone's going to read at the same level. That's okay. Not everyone's yeah. going to read the same number of books every year, but we want a literate culture. Yep. We want to, um, and that really does stand out from the world. Like, I don't think that our current generation of children being raised are very much committed to reading. Um, but I think the Christian church should be unique because of the simple fact that God gave us a book. Mm -hmm. We should aim at being book people. And value books and value reading and value reading comprehension. And so as parents, we want to be on the front lines of helping our children um, 
become good readers. Okay, so how do we do that? Um, Number one, I like what you put down here. Have books available. Yeah, have them out. Be liberally uh, giving them out to your kids. We you try have to books available so your kids, when if they pick up a book, know what's supposed to be done with it. Yeah. Here, here's a funny illustration that I just am remembering. We had like a, a movie night a few weeks ago. Yeah. And we built a little fort. And so there's like, you know, a, a, a blanket draped over some chairs. And I didn't want the chairs to knock over because the blanket was too heavy. So I put some books that I had next to my bed, like a lot of books on the chairs. And Ezra picked up one and it was one of those little nine marks hardbacks conversion. And so I have a book. <laughs> I have a picture of him sitting with his legs crossed on his little pillow nice. reading conversion. Yeah. <laughs> we have a video. It's kind of become a family video classic in the Dursa household called, I think it's on YouTube. It might even be most of my family YouTube videos are yeah. private, but there are some that we <laughs> yeah, made public. Can, I, yeah. They're <laughs> there. This one's called, this one called Emma reads the Hobbit and she's like one and a half. Oh, I love it. And she's sitting there with the book open going, but she knew the point is she knew what a book was for she had seen it she had seen us reading she had pulled it off and she was sitting there like she's trying to flip pages it's really funny it's cute but have books ready and available and that leads to the second these are both kind of tied try to have more books than your kids might be able to pick up yeah right and and your kids need to see you reading I mean, that's the second. Yeah, thing. you put this one down here, and I thought to myself, I think I read before and after my kids are awake. Yeah, but like, your kids are younger. They'll like see me you reading. sitting and reading. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think my I'm going to try and get me, them to see me read. <laughs> my kids see Ashley and I reading our Bibles a lot. Um, I, my kids see how when I have a free afternoon, uh, if if they're all happy and content and they're not asking for me, I'm going to pick Might up be a rare. book, which is rare, <laughs> rare, rarer these days, especially with a five-year-old son who wants to play all the time with me. Um, but yeah, trying to, uh, you just, say with a smile on your face. Oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, we, uh, we, we want to read in front of them and it make it clear that we value this. Like this is part of what it is to be an yeah. adult as we're reading, we're learning, we're studying. Um, uh, kind of on this note, uh, C.S. Lewis and and Charles Spurgeon, who lived at different periods and are not related, really. But I remember, and I can't remember where I saw this, but C.S. Lewis, as a child, had access to, I think it was his father's or his uncle or somebody's their library, library, yeah, and would would sneak in there and pull some books off the shelf and just read. And Spurgeon had the same thing and would that's where he found like pilgrim's progress mm. and, and he would go over to his grandfather's house and all these theological works and he would just devour and read and and read broadly and read poetry and and read the classics and both of those guys obviously became you know very well known very literate very influential one of the things i've, I've realized um you, if you read enough biographies you start re- seeing that so many of the men and women who were used by God to do great wow. things um, tend to have educated themselves. Like they, they were very mm. hardworking and learning. They were studious. They were readers. They weren't just hoping that they could, you know, do it all on their own. Figure with, it out. Without, yeah, without studying. Um, they were regimented, diligent, hardworking, voracious readers. Um, so it's so, okay. Back to how do you do this? 
have books available, have them accessible. We have these big bookshelves in our, our new living room and the lower shelves are all kids books. Love it. And a little nook there where they can go in and pull them off. And it's like Ashley and I's favorite thing when they, we see the kids over there and they've pulled off some books and they're just sitting there. Um, yeah, I think there's probably books in every room in our house somewhere in a yeah. basket for the kids or something. Yeah. Which means like, it's okay if the house is a little messy, you know, they pull the book off and they oh, do a little yeah. bit of a mess. Like, it's okay. You can't, if you're going to make the books accessible, you know, my wife sometimes likes to have books as decoration. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to read that book. <laughs> yeah. We have some decorative books. Yeah. Well, some of them are definitely books I would never <laughs> care to read. Um, but you need to have also books that are not decoration. They're just, you can take them, you can use them, you can read them, you could put them back. Um, here's a third thing that we try to do from time to time is share as parents, share insights, stories, paragraphs, or quotes mm. from the things you're reading. It's good. Because your, your kids want to hear you processing and they need to think to see how you're enjoying things. That's um, good. Last night, this is just a funny example that comes to mind. Kids are all having to sleep in the same bed because I've been working on the, the girls' loft beds upstairs. So the girls are all in like a, in a bed, single bed. And I, we're putting them to sleep. We're about to pray for them. And I pulled off off the shelf Little Women, which is like mm. Emma's favorite book. And I just randomly open. I just start reading. And Emma's like, oh, yeah, I love this part. Can I read my favorite part? And then for the next 15 minutes, we're she's Everybody's going reading through. their favorite. Parts. She's going yeah. through and she's reading it. And we're talking about it. We um, <laughs> I was just recently reading the John Patton biography and I would pause it like from time to time and tell them stories about the cannibals and just nice. interesting things, gross them out a little bit. Um, we also try to when we find a word we don't know to try to look it up and That's what is fun. that word? You know, try to pull out a dictionary or pull out Google. Um, so your kids aren't really at the point where they're reading on their own. No. So you're no, not they, quite at the yeah. point where we're all we're, talking. We're learning our letters. Yeah, we're learning <laughs> your letters. It takes some time. Yeah. But they like, yeah, they have, they have their favorite books that they like to read. And What's the, what's, uh, what's Piper's favorite book? I don't know, actually. Do you do the, um, I think for that age? I don't know her favorite book because she just kind of tags along, yeah. you know? Uh, totally. But on Saturday, she was just, you know, those picture books where it's like, you know, learn how to count, count how many. Okay. There's one duck. There's two bunnies. There's three fish. Yeah. She was just running back and forth, bringing me the one with cars, bringing me one with the animals. And she just likes at that age, somebody spending time looking at them with right. her. Sonia Boynton has all these good ones. Like the, um, oh, the cow dances and the pigs. There are really funny ones. Oh, Jack always loved those. Love it. And, um, they kind of sing songy. Yep. The, and then uh, Jan Brett, I think was her name. The Mitten, all these fun ones. Anyway, get even start young. I think what what happens is a lot of parents read when they're very little, when their kids are little enough to sit on their laps, and then they stop later, and then they stop reading. Yeah. And so that's that's maybe the next thing that I would say. If you want to create a culture of reading, read with your kids as a pastime. So my kids mm-hmm. are twelve down to one year less than a year and obviously jude doesn't participate in this we put him to bed but we we regularly enjoy books together nice <clears throat> so rather than putting on the tv and just watching a show which is nothing wrong with 
Um, we've read through all the Narnia books. We've read through the Hobbit. We've read through uh, a wing. We're, we're halfway through the second the wing book. Feather the, saga. Wing, the wing feather saga. We've read through various other books. Fun. Kind of that stage. Super fun. And that's yeah, it. It's a shared experience. Mm -hmm. It's something we've all enjoyed. And I don't know if anyone could match my Smeagol voice that I had to use for an entire chapter while reading The Hobbit, except maybe do you make Kyle up, Musa. Do you make up your own Smeagol voice or do you copy the movies? My precious. <laughs> That's what I do. That's the answer right there. What's that actor's name? Uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah, Andy Serkis. Yeah. All right, enough of that. Okay. We could, we could talk about Lord of the Rings for a while, but we won't. Um, no, we, no, we won't. No, we won't. Yeah, read, reading is good for our kids. Um, you're saying read to your kids. One of the best things you can do is read the Bible to your kids. Yeah. If they're young, pick up a picture Bible. Read that one. Yeah, if, if they're, they're older, there. Yep. if they're older and they can read, I remember doing this when I was a kid, take turns and let them read the portion of scripture for tonight mm -hmm. and then ask them a question. Yeah. Or what do you remember? It's simple enough. In the morning, we're trying to read through James cool. right now. And in the din in dinner times, we're trying to read through Acts. We've read through Proverbs last couple of times. Earlier in the year, we read through most of the Pentateuch. I think it's such a good way, especially reading through Genesis, to mm. teach your kids yeah. <laughs> about all kinds of things that they need to learn. That come up. Uh, like um, the goodness of creation. Sure. Like where sin comes from. Like what is death. Mm. Like jealousy, Cain and Abel. Um, God's judgment, his holy character in the flood, God's promises. But then there's also like sexual stuff, you know, sexual sin that's prevalent. Sure. And, and a lot of parents are circumcision. Huh? There's circumcision. Circumcision. Oh, there's a story that my family can tell you about reading through. Ask, ask them later. Oh, funny, funny story. Um, I'll just tell it right now real quick. Should I just tell it right now? Maybe not. I'll let you call it. Maybe we can cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and tell the story. All right. Real quick. Reading through Genesis 17. Kyle and Sophia Musa are over. At I forgot house. they were over when this happened. Yeah. We're, we're reading together just at dinner. And I get to the part where there's part of the Abrahamic covenant is there's going to be circumcision. Yeah. And Emma goes, what's circumcision? And I tell him, well, Emma, it's a, uh, it was part of the, the covenant sign where the boy babies had to cut part of their skin off. To Are we going to need to put a parental advisory in front of, <laughs> am I going to have to record a little notice at the yeah, beginning right. of this podcast? As an E, as a, uh, the sign of the covenant, as a sign of the covenant. And Emma goes, Oh really? That's, that's a bummer. They had to all get circumcised. And then, we <laughs> and were, she's just thinking it means to cut something off. Yeah. That's just a piece of skin. That's all she thinks. And then we're, or maybe this was the part in Joshua. No, no, no. There, so yeah. Oh, where all the men need to be circumcised. The men, so right. They need to be circumcised. And so she starts thinking, oh, that's a bummer. Like they all had to get circumcised. And so she's making this hand motion with her hands, like chopping, like a chopping motion. <laughs> and she's going, circumcised, circumcised, circumcised. <laughs> well, Kyle and Sophia are just trying to hold in their laughter. And I'm laughing and Ashley's laughing, but not as hard as me. And finally, then, you, then you had to explain. It's Ashley a bit, very gently. Yeah. It, it goes, Emma, it's the boy's private parts. 
It's and she, and Emma goes like turns beet red <laughs> and and everyone laughs. Yeah. I've heard this used as an illustration in a few a few times over now. Yeah. Well, it's a it's fun. It's a for, good story. It's a good story for many reasons because it teaches your kids. Because the point being, you encounter things in scripture that you don't otherwise, but that are part of the storyline and, what and what's better going way, on. And what better way word. to introduce your kid to these various sins? The Bible's realistic. The Bible's not like some fantasy land. It's true to life. There's life and death and blood and <laughs> sin and. <laughs> dark stories and glorious stories and if i am like if i want my kid to live in a rated r world the bible's rated r sometimes and the only way that i want to prepare my kids is through giving them the bible's version and the bible's because the bible is holy you're you're letting them see reality but from god's perspective so i would just say this parents don't censor god's word let god speak to your children read it to them Mm. he has a word for your children and you, you, you're going to be wise with how you do that. But all of the stuff in scriptures for them too. And so how you give them the word is, um, you know, who are we? Like, we, we don't want to be more holy than God is withholding mm. from our children things God has said. That's a good point. Because we're just afraid of, oh, no, look at this, these scary parts in the Bible or these uh, racy parts in the Bible or whatever it might be. No, God's God. He knows. Like, let your kids get access to God's word. Don't be holding because it back. The the good thing to know too is Scripture doesn't celebrate. No, those things. The it world puts, does. It puts them in their proper perspective. That's right. Of this is a reality of the broken and fallen world we live in, but it's it's not a reality that we want to necessarily accept or condone and revel in. It's one that we see is broken, but we see that God uses even for his purposes. Yeah. If we too much shelter our kids from this stuff, they're going to become unhealthily curious and try to like sure. subvert us and kind of get around. Well, what is this stuff? And so how do you introduce them to the darkness of our world? In the Bible, it's there. Yeah. And it's given in a real way, but in a holy, pure and, way. And you get to help your kids understand things in a wise way in that manner. Yeah. Um, Couple last things. First, just be ready to purchase books. We we try to buy books for birthdays, for Christmas. I was going to say, Christmas is coming up. Maybe you should buy your kid a book or two for Christmas. Yeah. Um, There's probably good resources online for what, wherever your kids are in terms of their ages, what what good books are. Ask Ask us for some recommendations. Yeah. There are good Christian ones out there, but they're also just good books that are helpful for yeah. helping your kid develop a love of reading. Um, and then the last thing, there's just a danger is just watch out for, I'd say a couple of things. I wrote down here, watch out for screens and game consoles. You don't want your children. This is one thing that I want to be aware of with my, my sons, especially because boys are particularly vulnerable to video games sure. and, and being addicted to them. But I don't want my children to get to the point where it's like life that like the things I have to do are in the way of me playing a video game and or doing something that's not really tied to reality. Like every everything I'm doing, if it's my homework, if it's my chores, I'm doing so that eventually I can get to the point where I can finally play a video game like that. 
get there's a, there's a mindset that kids can develop. It's like I can't wait to get to that. That's what I want to use my free time for. And so, and that's not ever anything that parents on purpose promote. It's just kids with lack of self control and wanting to do what's fun for them. Sure, um, if it's available, they're going to go for it. And so, uh, make sure you have limits on your screen time. Make sure it's not evil, but there's wisdom in saying, "Hey, we don't do this all the time. This is not yeah. what free time is always for." The second thing I'd say on this note is um we have to be okay with letting our kids get bored like mm. let don't plan every hour of their day for sure. them let them get to a point where they're bored well they'll they're use their imagination and they'll pick up a book and they come to you and they say dad we're bored my kids know what i'll say when, I, when <laughs> they know exactly what i'll say i'll say <laughs> i say if emma comes to me or ella i'll say ella only boring people are bored. You're not boring. <laughs> Go figure out something to do. And, and my point is to say, you have a God-given creative mind. Go use it. Yeah. Go think of something to entertain yourself. And my hope is that they learn to engage their mind and they'll pick up their book. They'll go outside and play. They'll do something that's not some passive absorption of mindless material. Absolutely. All that to say, Develop a culture of reading in your home for the ultimate purpose of helping your kids know and enjoy scripture. Yeah, that's as they get older and older, that's where you're aiming them is to have a love for reading and studying and knowing and living the word of God. 100%. See you next time.